Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right. I want to talk to you guys about Matchstick Golf. Matchstick is a custom designer of ball markers based right here in Portland, Oregon. It was born out of its founder getting sick and tired of trying to find cool ball markers that weren't huge, heavy poker chips that didn't cost $300 on eBay. Matchstick's markers include one-eyed alligator from Happy Gilmore and a stack of cash that will have you putting for dough and birdies. Right now, we're offering you 15% off your first order at matchstickgolf.com with the promo code TURN15. That's T-U-R-N-15 at matchstickgolf.com. Set fire to the greens. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Golf Movie Fives of the B-Flight. Nick and I are trudging through some really bad golf movies. Today, we're talking about Bobby Jones' Stroke of Genius. Nick, you watched this movie. Yeah, I did. Did you like it? I appreciated the movie. Did you? Yeah, I I think um, I've got some bones to pick with it. But of the three we have screened, can I use that word? Can I say we've screened these movies? It makes me feel more official. Sure. Yes. All right. Of the three we have screened, I think it's quite easily my favorite. (sighs) I was... I was afraid you were going to head in this direction. Okay. Well, this should make for a lively conversation. A few stats before we get into it. Mm. 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which was a little surprising. It was released in 2004. It stars Jim Caviezel, Claire Forlani, and Jeremy Northam, who plays Walter Hagen. Jim Caviezel, Nick... Uh, on the last podcast, I said you would recognize him. Did you recognize him when you saw him as the titular Bobby Jones? That is a resounding no. <laughs> okay. So Jim Caviezel also played the titular character in Passion of the Christ. He played Christ. And uh, it's been a real interesting journey ever since then. I won't go too much into it, but suffice it to say, I Googled Jim Caviezel, and the first news item that came up was this headline. Jim Caviezel promoted a QAnon conspiracy theory about harvesting kids' blood 
while talking up his QAnon-friendly anti-child sex trafficking film. So that's what's going on with Jim Caviezel. He's making Mm -hmm. anti-child sex trafficking films and subscribing to QAnon conspiracies. So he's off the rails at this point. He's making anti-child pornography films? Wait, wait, anti-child sex trafficking films? Yes. That's a good thing. Well, it it is, but... Child trafficking is like a big sort of tenant of QAnon, and they think that child trafficking is like involved with the deep state and and all this sort of it's it's basically a big swirl of political mess that he's involved in right now, and it's it's not great, folks. If you want to interject himself into this this completely crazy thing that he should just completely separate himself from. Exactly. Yeah, he Got should it. he should yeah. he should leave it alone, and he's and he's tying it all in. So. He's a wackadoo. Uh, this movie was directed by Rowdy Harrington, who directed the film Roadhouse, that absolutely crazy late 80s Patrick Swayze movie. And um, Nick. You act Ra- like I'm supposed to know what that is. Roadhouse? Joe, every every week I just get slammed for my lack of of movie and pop culture background. I'll admit I haven't seen I, I didn't see Roadhouse until the pandemic started and I started going through a lot of movies that I hadn't seen before. But it is definitely is that a Patriots cup you're drinking out of? Uh, admittedly, it is. Um, I guess when you live in New England, as long as you have it, this we went to one to Patriots game and I got the best hot chocolate of my entire life in this <laughs> cup on um, probably the most hungover I've ever been at 8 p.m. That's the most Nick Heidelberger statement I've ever said. Hungover 8 p.m. and just slammed the most delicious hot chocolate you could possibly imagine. I love it. So anyway, getting back to Rowdy Harrington, the director of Bobby Jones' Stroke of Genius. He directed Roadhouse. Nick, this is the last movie he directed. This is a career ender for Rowdy Harrington. Not great. The budget. Do, do, do you have a thought on Rowdy? I was going to say, sometimes you just, you, just, you just go out on a birdie, you know? Well, much like Bobby Jones did. The budget for this film was $20 million, which I found interesting because, and I don't know if you experienced this, Nick, throughout the whole movie, whenever there was music in the background, like a, like a score for the movie, I had a tough time hearing dialogue. The dialogue was very quiet at times for me during this movie. Did you have that problem? No, actually, I didn't. Oh, okay. I think I, think I caught everything. You're good. You're good. You got it all. Maybe that's why you liked it more than me. Uh, the box office didn't do great. Again, the budget twenty million took home two point seven mil. Ooh. Just two point seven mil. Yeah. So by comparison, um, this film came out the exact same day as Mean Girls. Now I know you've heard of that movie, Nick. I have. Okay, great. I've seen so, it. So, so Mean Girls made eighty six million dollars, and the Bobby Jones movie made two point seven. So, so it was um, just basically people who went to see Mean Girls, but it was sold out, and they were already like had planned this date, and so like, well, Bobby Jones starts in six minutes. We might as well just go walk into that one. Boy, if they survive the two hours and six minutes of this film, they 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 are troopers. Because I had. Do a you tough think time. they were just trying to capitalize? You said it was early two thousands, two thousand two. Uh, two, 2004, this came out. 2004. Were they trying to capitalize on like golf's popularity because of Tiger at that point, you think? That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this kind of movie really gets made anymore. Like a really long drama about sort of an obscure – like this movie would be on Netflix if it was made today, don't you think? Like they wouldn't put this movie in movie theaters. I, I, 
Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with movie theaters today, so I can't I can't answer that question. But my, <laughs> I don't know how you can call it a drama because there was like almost no drama in it. Like my my first bone to pick. Actually, I'll let you I'll let you finish your uh, yeah. your behind the scenes details. I just have I just have one more thing. So Golf Channel sued a local film production company local to Orlando, claiming that the cable outlet is owed $300,000. This is back in 2005, a year after the movie came out. So Golf Channel sued for three hundred grand for airing 330 commercials promoting the movie from April 5th to May 9 in 2004, and they said they were never paid by the production company for airing these commercials to the tune of $300,000. The production company, which is just called Bobby Jones LLC, they said that they don't have to pay up the investors in Wyoming who financed the movie have to pay up, and I couldn't really find what happened beyond that. But if you're not paying your bills, <laughs> probably not a good sign for everything going around with this movie. Okay, you just answered a question I was going to ask you: Is who made this movie? So, so Bobby Jones LLC made this movie. Yeah, and I don't that's, know if Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Oh, that's the, the, the least surprising. Takeaway from this podcast after watching the movie. So those are what I have uh, on my statistics. Nick, I I basically had five acts of this movie that I came up with, and then and then, and then I'll, I'll let you get to your nitpicks. But just basically five acts. This is this is what this is what happened in this movie. Act one: four-year-old Bobby Jones is sickly. Act two: fourteen-year-old Bobby is a phenom. Act three: adult Bobby is great. But he can't win because of his temper. He drinks too much. There's some health issues. Doesn't like fame and maybe doesn't even like golf. And is he a jerk? Uh, act four, adult Bobby wins because he stopped throwing clubs. Act five, he's an amateur, damn it, and he wins the Grand Slam. Is that is that pretty much the movie? That's the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super sugar-coated, though. I'm surprised they showed him smoking cigarettes and throwing golf clubs. <laughs> There were so why were there so many golf clubs thrown in this movie? And it's not just Bobby Jones. Like when he's playing the when the 14-year-old Bobby Jones is playing in the US amateur for the first time, his opponent takes one of his clubs and hucks it into the woods. I is that just what they did in the 20s? I guess. I don't know. It's so it was weird. The things they emphasized in this movie were were a little bit strange to me. Yeah, and they really emphasized them a lot. Like the the fact that Bobby Jones had a temper was like this is a two hour movie. I would say forty five minutes of the movie was dedicated to the fact that Bobby Jones had a temper, and the reason he was able to and the movie basically presupposes that because Bobby Jones had a temper, he couldn't really get over the hump and and, and win a big tournament. And the moment where it clicked for him was when he was throwing a club, it bounces and it hits some lady in the shin. And she's really like almost apologetic about being in the way of Bobby Jones' magical golf club. And then Bobby's like, oh, I got to get my stuff together because the the USGA sent his papa a letter saying if Bobby doesn't straighten up, he can't play in any more golfing tournaments. And that's what turns it around, apparently. When that happened, I was wondering if like how much of this was was fictional and how much of it is factual. Like, do you think that actually happened? Do you think he whipped his club into the gallery and smashed some some woman standing there? I would assume that the letter from the USGA probably happened. I would... It, that's a huge creative liberty to take 
if it's not a fact that people know about Bobby Jones. To just say that this is a thing and make this up, like I feel like if the company that's producing this movie is called Bobby Jones LLC and they were that historically inaccurate with such a big part of this movie, then they did a real bad job. I would assume yeah. it was true. The actual act of the club bouncing and hitting this lady in the leg, uh, who, who knows if it was that exact thing. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want a movie made about you where you like have de- depicted depicted with violence against women if you, if you didn't actually do it, right? No, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Give me your bones. Well, there was no conflict. Yeah. There was no... There's no bad guys. Like, I'm thinking, okay, young Bobby Jones, like he's one of his parents is going to be anti-golf and think it's stupid. Really, it's like his his grandfather who thinks golf is stupid, but his grandfather has no influence. So, so who really cares? Like with Francis, we met, you know, his mom was encouraging him, but his father thought it was a waste of time. So you had this kind, you know, like he was he had something to kind of battle. Bobby Jones, his parents are so nice. His, you know, I'm thinking, is, is his dad going to be like an alcoholic and beat his mom? Like, oh, maybe that's what's happening because he seems like a good old boy. But no, he's just like, hey, Bobby, yeah, why don't you go and play some golf? Hey, look, daddy's got a candy cane for you, you know? And like, everybody's so happy. And then like, he's got this, he's like sickly, like you said. So, so maybe he's going to like really, really be battling these health issues that are, you know, and like, yeah, like, Sure, he didn't feel good later. Like he won a tournament, he's like, my stomach hurts. Like, oh, you know, like, hmm, bummer, you know. But it was never like an issue. And then he, then he goes off and he, he has this woman, and he's married, and maybe she's gonna be like, it's either golf or me, you know. And you know, one time she gets mad at him because he's, you know, he's missing the kids a lot. But she's like, you know, oh, good job you won. I'm so proud of you still. And I'm just like, what is, what are we rooting against? Like, what's the thing that's gonna stop him? The stakes Everybody are was just so nice. The stakes are so low. He has so little to overcome. Like, you're right. There's there's no conflict. They tried to make, I guess, Walter Hagen sort of be the antagonist. But every time Walter's on screen, yeah, I'm like... Hagen's like giving him a gift. <sighs> okay. I don't want to get into it right now, but I, ha- I have some thoughts on Walter Hagen. They tried to make him the antagonist, but every time I saw him, it's like, oh, well, this this guy's just really cool and, like, wants to, wants to win money. And he's probably, like, a frenemy of, of Bobby Jones. And, you know, he sends him the note at the end of the movie saying, hey, go get that Grand Slam. But, like, even that isn't a believable foil to Bobby Jones. Like, his biggest- Their rivalry was 100% competitive. They, off the course, they were buddies. They congratulated each other. They had this, you know friendship on the court off the course and rivalry on the course it wasn't even like that that wasn't even it wasn't like jordan versus burr or anything like that no it was nothing like that uh it it they 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 made it seem like bobby jones didn't really like playing golf he didn't really seem to enjoy it like he smiles sometimes when he holds a trophy but i didn't really get the sense that he even liked playing golf like i didn't get his his motivation the only time he really got upset was when someone questions his amateur status. And he's like, I'm a true gentleman. It's like, bro, you picked up your ball and walked off the British Open. You picked up your ball and quit in the middle yeah. of the British Open. Like, I get it. This whole story is about, like, trying to find a thing that you can point to and say, oh, okay, well, Bobby Jones had to learn these lessons and da-da-da-da-da. And that is part of it. But, like, I don't. It didn't. It didn't click for me in any way, Nick. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm just going to tell you that this is. This is not my favorite of these three that we watched. 
recently. Really? Oh, I was really having a hard time picking up on that. In, um, in many my... ways, in many ways, I, I, I haven't come to a final score yet because I'm, I'm, mm. I, I want to listen to you talk about this movie more. But at, yeah. at this point, I'm, I'm going to give it the highest score of anything we've watched so far. Wow. Okay, that's fine. My, my second bone to pick is um, every like golf montage. He he holds out some ridiculous shot. Yes, it's like it it doesn't have to go in to be a good shot. Like from 125 yards in the fairway, like just hitting it to like four feet is is pretty good. You don't have to show him making the shot. This this crazy shot from the bunker, this 90 foot putt, like you just get the closest good. Like, am I supposed to believe you just showed us every hole out that he ever had during his amateur career? Like, he can just hit good shots without having to having to hole out. Like, what was that about? Let's get to it right now. The most unbelievable shot in the movie because there, there are plenty to pick from. Um, I'm going to throw out some potential ones, and I'm curious if, if any of these are even the one that you pick. So you have Walter Hagen, who's bouncing it off the tree when they're playing their first match against each other. Hagen is facing away from the green, banks it off the tree. It goes onto the green. The hole out, Bobby Jones is playing another match against Walter Hagen. He holds out from like, I don't know, a buck 40. And he's like, oh, well, Bobby Jones is finally going to win a hole. And Walter Hagen kind of gives him a wink and then drains it on top of him from 140, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Bobby Jones, they sh- there's there's a lot of um, <laughs> B-roll of like steamships, which I assume is to, to indicate, you know, going from America over to the British Isles. And on one particular time this was happening, Bobby Jones has like a putting mat laid out and it's like a 40 foot putt. And the putt breaks like back and forth like three times and then goes into the hole. It looked pretty straight to me. I guess I'm supposed to assume that the ocean is perhaps the break that he's right. playing. He was he was reading the the wake, not just the break. He's, re- <laughs> he's reading the Atlantic. I love that. Um, those 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 are the three main ones that I had. Nick was was yours in in one of those. Um. Yeah, I, I think it was just. I mean, I'm gonna take the putt in the Atlantic because, yeah. like, unless you're really tuned into the cadence of the ship, like, that's <laughs> not a demonstration of skill. It's a demonstration of luck. And if you've got presumably like two weeks on the ship, I'm sure you're gonna hold one. That was that was mine too. I I, I don't I don't really understand how you can read the ocean, but he's the only he's Bobby the Jones. Only, the only justification I could think for all the other holeouts was. Somebody documented, like, in his 13-year, let's say, amateur career, he holed out, you know, one time from 140, one time from a bunker, or one, you know, whatever putt. And, like, maybe maybe that happened, and they just said, like, we got to make sure to show all of those and, and highlight those in the movie. They showed more golf in this movie than probably any other golf movie that I've ever seen. More than Tin Cup, more than Happy Gilmore. There is so much golf, like, golf shots, golf swings in this movie – I was so bored by it. By the end, I'm like, okay, we're going back to St. Andrews again? Like, I get it. Like, he's he's going to win. You're going to show me a couple putts. There'll be a weird handshake. You notice how the handshakes were, like, really, really high? There was a lot of weird manners in this movie that I didn't understand. But, yeah, dude, I was I was sick of the golf by the end of it. And you know me. I love golf. Yeah. And when you have a movie where... We all know the outcome. You can Wikipedia the outcome. You know he's going to win. You know what's going to happen. You need to 
find something intriguing about the golf, which they didn't do. The one thing I wanted to ask about, um, like in one of his early USGA championships, the like rules guy or the the, the official following the match like, yelled to distract Bobby Jones. And I was like wondering if that was going to be a theme. And it was just like a complete random one off. What was that about? It was very strange. So Bobby Jones is, you know, big, big Bob is in the crowd and, and he's standing with uh, his 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 local biographer, who's played by Malcolm McDowell, and they're they're in the gallery, and they say, "Oh, this is this is it. This is, this is when Bobby's going to get over the hump and win." And then Bobby has an approach under the green, and for some reason, the course marshal has this old timey like tiny megaphone, and he decides to yell four right in the middle of Bobby's downswing, and Big Bob's ready to like go after him, which I understand because it looked pretty intentional, but I, I didn't. Was the audience supposed to think that this guy was trying to screw with Bobby intentionally, or were they trying to just basically say, "Boy, Bobby has just a heck, everything going against him early in his career. It's just it's really tough to overcome the course marshal yelling in your downswing." Yeah, I, I don't know what was what what that was about. I, I think maybe they were trying to illustrate that people were betting on these matches and mm. they had their own personal stake in it, and maybe the marshal was betting against him and had money because they did kind of reference that early on, like. He was costing people money because he was the best golfer, so they're betting on him, but he couldn't win, so they kept losing. Right. So so maybe it was that, but it's kind of a stretch if, if we're supposed to make that connection. I don't know. This was one of the longest two-hour movies I've ever like had to be a part of. I <laughs> I paused it like four or five times. If not for this podcast, I I definitely would have turned it off. Like really? Yeah. I was watching it and I was like, all right, this isn't terrible. And I hit pause on the TV. I was only 40 minutes into the movie. I really thought I had like 20 minutes to go at that point, but I was only 40 minutes into the movie. I just, I just could not handle it. It's so, and here's the problem. All right. Yeah. I I, I gotta, I gotta like grill you on this. Like what, like what are your one, two or three things that, that you just hated about this movie? Like what made it, what made it so bad that you're intolerable? You have one of the most interesting figures in sports history and the things they chose to focus on, like I didn't learn anything new. I didn't care. And I was bored by the golf. Like I am the P one for this movie. I should be, I, I will watch anything related to golf. I have watched much worse golf movies than this because there's something that will keep my attention. There's, there's an element or, or, or a mystery. And if you're going to take on, a person or a figure like Bobby Jones and make such a steaming pile of crap like this movie, it just does a disservice. And it makes me, it legitimately makes me upset because you have so much material to work for work through. And you, you, you try to tell his entire life. Don't give me the kids. Don't give me all the lead up, like pick like a specific year or pick like a specific tournament pick an event in his life. We, the audience that's going to watch this movie knows who Bobby Jones is. They know that he won the grand slam. They know about all of his accomplishments. We don't need to know that stuff. Tell me an aspect of his life that is particularly interesting or like just just narrow your focus. The scope was so broad and it was so sappy. There was like all the little weird little winks and sort of like the hugs and the little one-liners that they said, like people don't talk the way that they spoke in this movie. The only believable person in this movie was Walter Hagen. 
that 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 was the saving grace of this movie was the actor who played Walter Hagen. And as I was watching this, Nick, I, I think someone can do a better job with the Bobby Jones movie. But all I was thinking the whole time was, why are, why is there stuff about Bobby Jones? Give me the Walter Hagen movie. Walter Hagen is so much more interesting than Bobby Jones. Like just his entrance when he rolls in and he's asleep and he's got his little secret compartment for his booze and his hair tonic and he's brushing with the alcohol and he's got a heater and he's playing in a tuxedo. And like, he's so much more interesting than Bobby Jones. That was terrible job by the film you shouldn't make a supporting character who's in this movie for like five minutes be the most interesting part of your movie it should be an interesting part of your movie but walter hagen was the most interesting part of this movie by a mile yeah that's a good point so i have to read you this review of the av club because it is so good so this is from i want to give this writer credit scott tobias so here we go Duller than a rain delay on the Golf Channel, Bobby Jones' stroke of genius makes a big deal about the titular legend's pure love of the game as evidenced by his refusal to relinquish his amateur status. And I love love this. Who better to play this modern saint than Mel Gibson's vacant-eyed Christ figure, Jim Caviezel, an actor who wears virtue like a neutered puppy? With the dreadful Claire Forlani mangling a southern drawl as Jones's steadfast wife, the charisma vacuum is briefly filled by Jeremy Northam, whose dashing take on Jones's vice-ridden rival, Walter Hagen, provides an important reminder that sin is the first syllable of cinema. That is fantastic. <laughs> what, a, what a review that is. But I agree. Wow. Yeah. I agree. Everyone is pretty terrible in this movie. Walter Hagen is the most interesting figure. And I just, I want my Walter Hagen movie or at least like perfect example. If you were to make a movie about Tiger Woods, would you like try to encompass his whole life? Or maybe would you pick like the 2008 U S open or like the 97 masters or like a chunk in his life, you know, really go deep on something because we all know a lot of this stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. I just checked my notes. Um, the last thing I, I jotted down under my category for things I, I wanted to um, pick a bone with. Can we dial in the sound that it makes when when you make a golf shot? Like, what, were they using like like old olive cans for for <laughs> holes back then? That's a really good point. It was literally like the sound if you just you dropped a golf ball into a tin can. Like it sounded yeah. nothing, and and maybe they were just like showing the holes were different back then, which I would totally believe if you showed it to me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very strange, and I don't think really, not even just this movie, but I do think that's that's a really good like broad point. I don't think in general we've captured like what a golf shot is supposed to sound like. I even watch commercials on the Golf Channel where someone's clearly hitting a driver. And they've put an iron sound effect in there. I'm like, really? This got by everybody? No, we all know what a golf shot sounds like. Like it's it, it, it's crazy. And yes, the uh, ball dropping into the cup is something maybe we have forgotten in society because we're all leaving the flag stick in right now. But it is a very distinct sound. And whatever the hell they were doing in this movie <laughs> is not it at all. And they did a lot of it because they showed all of his holeouts. <laughs> they did. I will say, impressive. Jim Caviezel must have made a lot of putts because they showed a lot of overhead shots of him putting. And I don't know how many takes it took, 
but he made a lot of putts. So as bad as I thought his performance was in this movie, pretty good putter, (laughs) pretty good putter. Um, Okay. Do you want to get to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my overall take was even though it was boring and there was no conflict, it was, it was a fine history lesson. I mean, I learned why there's 18 holes on a golf course, which which was super exciting. Um, Did you learn that? Are, 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 you, are you taking that to the bank? Um, not to the bank, but I'm taking it to the party. Can you the can you share can, can you share that anecdote? Yeah, um, there's 18 holes on a golf course because there were 18 shots in a bottle of whiskey, and and they figured once you're done, you're done. Yeah, I like yeah. that. So you know whether or not it's it's true, it's it's. That's a romantic story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um that was that was cool for me. Um yeah, it, it it's there's not a lot of conflict, there's not a lot of drama, there's not a lot of suspense, but it it documents, you know, an important golf figure, which I think is important. Um I think it would have been kind of cool. I I thought it was ironic that he's getting out of the the competitive circuit of golf to spend more time with his family and then um as a way of spending more time with his family he opens augusta national like like that's gonna be just a just a nights and weekends gig you know on the side of being a lawyer um what was the thought process there i mean they spent all of 30 seconds kind of making that connection there i think that might have been more of an interesting take there's your movie there's your movie bobby jones is like the movie starts with him Going into the cornfield, like where the movie, because they end the movie with him driving. It's like, well, Bobby, you've you've you quit golf for your wife. You became a lawyer for your grandpappy. You won the Grand Slam for this, and they just go on this never-ending list of things that Bobby Jones does for everyone else. Rattle off all of his accomplishments. We just spent two hours watching. Yeah, and then it's like, Bobby, what are you going to do for yourself? And it just turns out that Bobby Jones was driving to the. First what is box. Now Magnolia Lane? <laughs> Magnolia Lane, yeah. <laughs> the first tee box of Augusta National, and that's where the movie ends. But yeah, that would have been a really interesting thing to have the movie focus on because that's a thing that I kind of know about. You know, Bobby Jones designed and built Augusta, founded the Masters, but like all of that would be interesting because like Walter Hagen played in the in the Masters. He, he, he finished in the top 10 a couple times. Like that would be interesting to find out. Who's the best golfer in this movie, Nick? The guy who won the Grand Slam. <laughs> okay. But based on the golf swings, did you think adult, teenage, or child Bobby Jones had the best golf swing? Which of those three actors? Because it's obviously Bobby Jones. Um, I, I I didn't spend a ton of time with the BizHub Conical Minolta camera on this but I, I i my gut instinct is teenage bobby jones teenage bobby jones i think had the best golf swing yeah i thought i thought he was he was really good um the kid was okay and I, to be honest i i actually thought jim caviezel's swing was convincing enough to be yeah i wasn't offended by any of the, any of the swings no definitely not um they actually did a good job making the golfers look like golfers the worst the worst golfer in this movie nick well, it's it's a toss up between oh. the uh, the old guy at the beginning of the movie when Bobby Jones is like hiding in the woods, following around a group of golfers, which I think is at East Lake Golf Course in Atlanta. I read that it's rumored that 
Bobby Jones's first and last round of golf ever was at Eastlake, where hmm. the uh, upcoming tour championship was held. Um, so presumably this this was at Eastlake, where he's like running through the woods watching watching players play, and um, his his dad's friends ask him to like imitate all the all the golfers swings and there's like one that's good and there's one that's just like god awful like like a, like a, a past timey uh charles barkley swing yeah for sure uh i'm gonna go with big bob jones i did not like his game i didn't like his cut big bob jones is the worst worst golfer in this movie for me fine <laughs> no 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 arguments no do you have anything else you want to say before we give this movie a score um I'm gonna to try to be calm when you give your score. I, I, yeah, I really am. Be, be calm. Um, no, it just it just. I guess my final take is it felt very Disney. Um, it felt like when you're. I've heard this analogy before, but when you're watching like the rock band documentary, like you can tell if it was made by the rock band themselves, you know, and they had to like sign off final approval versus one where it's like behind the scenes and and it it goes deep on all the controversy and you get the real dirt. This felt very polished, very, um, very Disney. When you told me that Bobby Jones LLC was the uh, film company that, that made this movie, that that sounds about right. So it was just very, it was a little too polished for me. Disney is a good way to put it. It ha- it, it does have a very Disney vibe about it, and not not in a complimentary way. Not, it's not like this was it's not like, like Lion King. Yeah, it's not Remember the Titans. No. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll go ahead and give my score, Nick. Um, you know, I gave Who's Your Caddy a very generous 76. I stand by that. I gave Caddyshack 2 a 99. Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius, 101. Okay. 101. Okay. I didn't want to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it. Give me the Walter Hagen movie. That man won. You know who's third in the all-time major wins list? Walter Hagen. He's won 11 majors. Make a movie about him. He's more interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean... I can see it. I can see it. I'm going to be much more generous. Um, I gave Who's Your Caddy a 102. <laughs> you did. I don't even know what I gave Caddyshack to. I think I gave it like uh, You were pretty generous on that one. Yeah. I feel like something in the 70s. You were in the 70s. Yeah. Um, Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius. It's a 79 for me. Okay. Bro- it, it broke 80. It broke 80. It, it kind of limped in, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe bogey seventeen and eighteen, but it, exactly. You know what? Actually, I'm going to adjust my score. Oh, I'm going to give it an eighty. Okay, great. So bogey the last three holes then. It, it bogeyed the last three. It just needed to play the last three two over and bogey the last three. Ah, <laughs> uh, that sounds like my golf game. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it eighty. Sounds way more fitting. Like yeah. it was eh, like eighty. It could go either way. Like it could have, it could have been seventy five, but it also could have been eighty five. Yeah. 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 That's the number. Would you would you recommend this movie to like? Can you think of a person in your life where you'd say, "Hey, you should check this movie out"? Gavin, my my eight month old son, <laughs> when he's thirteen, he should watch this movie because it's a story that he will not otherwise know, and and he should know it. I'm gonna put a Google Calendar reminder. Yes, for the year 2034, and I'm gonna buy this DVD. And he, I'm, really? I'm going to send it to him, and he's going to have no idea what, what what this circular disc is. Did you have to pay two ninety nine to watch this movie? Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, folks. <laughs> not only not only is this movie god awful, but you have to pay pay your hard earned dollars for it. Did you? Well, is, for is me, Ash, wait. Did, 
<laughs> is Ashley finding out about the fact that you had to pay money for this movie right now? Um, she, I, I, my guess is she'll never find out because oh. I, I don't think she's going to listen to this podcast. And certainly not 34 minutes in. <laughs> certainly not. Uh, um, crime. The thing for me, too, is it, like it's not it's almost physically not possible for me to watch a movie in one sitting. And so then it's like I got to come back. I, I only have 48 hours to watch it. So I start it and it's like, oh, my God, if I don't if I don't finish this movie, like I'm going to have to pay for it again. <laughs> like Gavin better sleep tonight because uh. if I have to get up and stop the movie to like give him a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna cost me another two ninety nine. <laughs> uh, folks, folks, save yourselves three dollars. Okay, we're watching these movies so you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, you could just Wikipedia everything that's in this movie. Yeah, you absolutely could. You absolutely could. Just just buy a book on Bobby Jones and read it. That's that's a much better use of your time. There, there is a good Bobby Jones movie to be made. That's that's what's so frustrating, and this this just didn't this just didn't turn out to be it. Um, Nick, we have some actual golf stuff coming up on the calendar. I don't know if you want to. Do you want do you want to throw in the towel? Or do you want to keep going with this golf um, movie fivesome? We can we can we can make it a threesome if you want. I think we got to keep going. We just got to keep going at this point. Yeah, we got to keep going. We could. If we need to take a week, you know, sit out a tournament. We've we've had three. We've had back to back to back back weeks in the road. We need to get home, see the family for a week, put the put the clubs in the garage for a few days, you know, and and then get back fresh, sharpen up, and and bring it back out. I like it. Yeah, let them let them collect some dust. Mm -hmm. Um, Precision Pro. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll do it. You don't want to do it? I'll do it. Yeah. Look, you got this. Folks, season is winding down. By the time you're listening to this, oof, it's probably September. Your chances to play golfer, well, it's it's upsetting, but they're shrinking. And so you want to play your best golf. You want to be peaking at the end of the season. Maybe you want to get some new clubs, right? Well, there's only one way to get your game on track, get it where it needs to be, and that's knowing the exact yardages. And you can do that with these beautiful rangefinders from Precision Pro Golf. Go to precisionpro.com. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout for incredible savings on these incredible rangefinders. Precisionprogolf.com. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout. Nick, I think I gave the the URL wrong the first time and right the second time. It's Mm -hmm. precisionprogolf.com. TURN10 at checkout is in fact the promo code that you should use. Nailed it. Nick, we have some exciting stuff coming up in the podcast. We're getting some things lined up. We're we're arranging things. We're working on a special series that I'm very excited about. Um and it's going to be it's going to be a banner fall for at the turn. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm very excited with 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 the direction this podcast is headed. Yeah, it is uh it's really exciting. It's 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 kind of um I don't know, maybe maybe earth-shattering is 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 too big maybe it's not maybe maybe it's not maybe that's exactly the right language we should be using folks i guess we're gonna we're gonna trudge ahead with the golf movie fivesome i don't know if it's gonna come next week but we are gonna put out a podcast very soon 
maybe some special guests. It should be a lot of fun. Until then, do not watch this movie. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn. Awesome.